Welcome in, everyone, to the Sunday Nighter on the Talking Tide podcast. I'm Chase Goodbread of NFL.com and Crimson Cover Television. I'm joined by Travis Ryer, the senior analyst at BamaOnline.com and the daily radio host of Southern Fried Sports, which you can catch at 100.9 FM in Tuscaloosa, 11 to noon on weekdays. The Talking Tide podcast available to you at our web host first and foremost. That's at podbean.com. Also various apps, including iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, and TuneIn. The Talking Tide Twitter feed is Talking underscore Tide. You can keep up with all our latest drops there. And Travis, uh, we recap Alabama's route over Arkansas here for this particular edition of the Sunday Nighter. And really, uh, it was as much of a giveaway as, as any game Alabama's run into this season. Early turnovers for the Razorbacks really made this thing non-competitive quickly. It did, and the one thing Arkansas could not do is turn the football over, especially in a game in, in which you've got the second-team quarterback uh, starting for the other side. And I guess you could say that Nick Starkle getting the start for Arkansas was sort of the same thing, although I consider him and uh, you know his competition there at, at, at Arkansas to, to pretty much be uh, a three-headed monster, as some Arkansas fans might describe it. Um, but yeah, the turnovers, the, 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 the four turnovers in the first half, I mean, any chance of keeping the game competitive went out the window with that. And it, it wasn't just that Arkansas turned the football over. You had a pick six, you had a fumble return, uh, into the Arkansas, into the red zone for the Alabama offense. So, you know, Mac Jones probably wasn't going to need a lot of help in his first start chase. Uh, but between the takeaways from the Alabama defense and the field position, that Alabama was able to create uh, as a result of some of that, uh, it, it, it was even easier for Mac Jones. Yeah, we'll turn right to Mac Jones. He goes 18 out of 22, 235 yards, three touchdowns, no interceptions. An outstanding performance. Like you said, he, he did get set up on some short fields, and, and the game was practically never in doubt. So in terms of, I guess, your first career start at Alabama, there's going to be a measure of pressure for sure. Uh, but there was no scoreboard pressure at any rate. And uh, he was he was pretty much sharp all night. You know, he, he uh, I guess he missed a deep ball to Jerry Judy early that he overthrew. And, you know, maybe another throw or two he'd like to have back. But for the most part, very much on target. And I thought it was about what you would expect, right, from Steve Sarkeesian, get him some, some easy confidence building completions early, including a couple jet sweeps that went down as completions, uh, especially on that opening drive. And that was more of a, a grinding drive by Alabama standards of late. Covered a little more than six minutes, kicked a field goal at the end of it. Uh, but he showed you as the game progressed that he's capable of making a lot of the throws in the intermediate to deeper areas of the field. I thought a couple of his best throws, well, his, one of his very best was the deep ball to Jerry Judy that pretty much put a cap on uh, Mac Jones night, the 40 yard touchdown pass there early in the third quarter. But he also had a really nice throw to Judy on a, on a, on a uh, over route from uh, you know, kind of a, a deep crossing route and got it over the top of the secondary uh, coverage there, the second level coverage and dropped it in there to Jerry Judy. I thought one of his best throws of the night was on the first possession of the game for Alabama. And it was a drop by Devonte Smith. Uh, kind of an outcut that he really put on the money and on time, uh, but it went incomplete. So, 
you know, it was a Tua sort of night statistically. Four incompletions, three touchdown passes, uh, took care of the football, didn't turn it over. Uh, and you saw, right, Chase? I mean, the difference between being thrust into the situation that he was thrown into unexpectedly against Tennessee a week early, week earlier versus having that full week of preparation and knowing this is my game. We're going to have a script, a plan specific to the things that I execute best and I like the best. And I thought that obviously made a big difference as well. How about the Najee Harris performance? Uh, He does not get to the century mark, but effective once again. The Alabama offensive line uh, blocking for the run pretty consistently at this point in the season. Emil Ekeyor actually uh, popped in there at left guard. I I think Evan Neal's fine. Nick Saban, I think, said it was precautionary, but uh, they they played without missing a beat. No, they didn't miss a beat with uh, Emil Ekeyor in there, and uh, you know, I think Najee Harris was headed for his third straight 100-yard game, and then he twists his ankle a little bit uh, at the end of an 11-yard run to open the third quarter. And it was pretty much the Brian Robinson and even some Keelan Robinson there in the fourth quarter show uh, after that. But it was a rushing performance, another 150-plus yards on the ground when you combine the work of Najee Harris and Brian Robinson. Not as involved as much. Uh, in the passing game from a receiving standpoint uh, for the Alabama backs on Saturday night, didn't really need them though. I mean, you were getting the, you were getting the jet sweeps to the receivers and and some of that stuff in the quick passing game. So didn't really need them to be as much of a factor um, uh, as they've been maybe in, in the last month or so. But yeah, I thought all in all uh, another strong performance and another performance in which 225, 230 pound backs for the most part, ran to their size. And I think that's been the biggest improvement that both those guys have probably made since week two. Jerry Judy finishes on top of the receivers, seven catches, 103 yards, and a couple of touchdowns. Uh, so he's he's actually had some weeks where he's been less involved production-wise, but uh, had a big game uh, against the Razorbacks and uh, the di- the distribution doesn't seem to change. I mean, there's a difference. Anybody, any of the three, Judy, Ruggs, or Smith, is liable to be the, you know, the 150 yard guy or whatever at the top of the list week to week. But over the course of time, it levels out, and, and there's production across the board from all those guys. Plus Waddle, although Waddle's been a little bit more of an afterthought this year than he was last. You know, the top four wide receivers for Alabama all had at least four catches in the game Saturday night. Now, again, some of that uh, was was really, you know, runs more than they were receptions off the Jets that uh, Alabama dialed up early in the game. But, you know, for Jerry Judy, it was his first 100-yard game since New Mexico State in week two. And that speaks to a couple of things, as you said. I mean, there's a variety of guys, as we know, uh, that Tua Tonga, Vailoa, Mac Jones, the Alabama quarterbacks have to – to choose from uh Devontae Smith had that stretch there uh especially with the I guess it was the Ole Miss game yeah where he went absolutely nuts right uh historic performance in that one um but yeah you know Smith took a big shot on the uh early touchdown reception Saturday night not yeah it looked like it could have been either guy that Mac Jones was throwing to there Devontae took the worst of it underneath uh took a big shot and Ruggs was there to sort of clean it up for a touchdown and uh you know you saw more of Jalen Waddle in the game after that with Smith sort of banged up a little bit so bye week comes at a good time probably for Devontae Smith 
couple of precautionary moves for sure with Nick Saban. Uh, Najee Harris doesn't play again after the ankle twist. They didn't need him. The game was in hand by that point, certainly. Uh, and Devontae Smith, of course, with a shoulder bruise. He was in a sling in the second half. Probably had people more worried than they needed to be looking at that. Uh, but, of course, he didn't go back in the game either. And even, and even the lineup going into the game, I think Jared, Jared Maiden uh, sat out for – uh, precautionary reasons as well, Travis. So, yeah, getting ready for LSU, even though it's still a couple weeks out, thinking ahead a little bit. Yeah, you know, and, and I think that the staff is uh, continues to be intrigued by the abilities of Jordan Battle, the true freshman safety as well. Um, but, but Maiden had a very productive game his last time out with an interception uh, and two pass breakups against Tennessee, uh, but it is the time to get as many of these guys as well as you possibly can, uh, as we know, in advance of, of LSU on November the 9th. Um, and really, other than maybe Devontae Smith and you know a, a couple of tweaks here and there like Najee Harris and uh, Evan Neal, Alabama seemed to come out of the game Saturday night in pretty good shape. Defensive side of the ball, let's touch on that really quickly, Travis. Uh, Trevon Diggs shows off the wheels once again, an 84-yard interception return coming off uh, a week where he had a 100-yarder off, off a fumble against Tennessee. Uh, but it was a big play night for that Alabama defense, well beyond just Diggs' big play near the end of the game. You had the Christian Harris fumble return. Uh, you had interceptions for Sertan and Jennings. Uh tackles for loss there's pressure on the quarterback I think in terms of big play production this game was uh, pretty close to the top for Alabama so far this season yeah I mean the four takeaways but you know Terrell Lewis was ungodly there in the second quarter I mean he had five quarterback hurries in, in that quarter two of which helped lead to some inter- a couple of those interceptions uh for Sertan and for Trayvon Diggs, who we know uh, his second defensive score in two weeks uh, for the, uh, the the senior corner. Um, you know, here's the thing. I, I still have questions about this defense in advance of LSU and its ability to get off the field, uh, you know, on a consistent basis. But here's one thing they, they have done to this point against the people they have played. They have taken the football away. Uh, when you look at turnover margin – uh, Alabama in a very good place atop the SEC standings in that category. That 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 never can be uh, overstated enough how important that is. Um, so whereas they give up maybe for Nick Saban's liking, Chase, a few too many third down conversions, uh, they've been very adept at taking the football away uh, to this point in the season. Alabama allowed 213 total yards to the Razorbacks. That's their second best number of the season. Duke only had 204 yards in the season opener. Tennessee didn't have much more than 200 yards last week. And and, and I know that, that, you know, the Tennessee and Arkansas, you know, competition wise. Yeah. It's, it's not quite what you're going to see from some other schools in the sec, but do you, do you think, do you think this, what we're seeing from Alabama's defense of late signs of improvement has as much to do with, who they're playing as it does the improvement or is it a little of both? I guess. I think it's, I think it's a little of both. I I think there's some improvement there, but a wise man once told me, Chase, you don't know how you look until you get your picture took. Well, this defense is going to get its picture taken against LSU. And I think then we're going to have a better understanding of what exactly it looks like. 
And, and, and sure, I mean, the, the, the statistically, the last two games, you take that every day of the week. That's that's not the the value or uh, you know sort of uh, discount what this defense has done, especially as we know with all the youth, with all the uh, growth that has been needed to take place. Um, but you know, I mean, you had some situation. Uh, Arkansas bad shotgun snap leads to the Christian Harris fumble recovery and return. You know, I mean, that's a nice play by Christian Harris. You know, it, it looks good. It is good. It's big. Um, but that's more of Arkansas's ineptness, right? Than anything else. So I, I, I kind of lean somewhere in the middle of all that. You know, it, you see that this staff is still trying different combinations, doing some different things. You know, at inside linebacker on Saturday night, you saw Markel Benton in there in the base and then in the dime. You saw Christian Harris in there with Shane Lee in the nickel. I mean, they're trying different combinations at inside linebacker. They tried some different combinations in the secondary on Saturday night. You know, and with all that being said about the back seven, the area where I still think they have got to figure out a way to improve quickly is in their four-man pass rush, Chase. And, I, and obviously, I'm not talking about really Terrell Lewis or Anthony Jennings. I'm talking about the interior pass rush. Raquan Davis, in two weeks, has to play like a first-round pick against LSU. Christian Barmore has to give them something in the interior pass rush against Joe Burrow because you saw it on Saturday with what Derek Brown was able to do right in the middle of that Auburn defensive line. He gave Joe Burrow some looks he hadn't seen all year with what he could do from an interior pass rush standpoint. Yeah, and your point's also well taken in that Joe Burrow's not afraid to step up in the pocket. Some quarterbacks yep. don't like to do it. Burrow will. And that'll neutralize the Lewises and the Jennings. So the outside pass rush, if you got a quarterback that's willing to get up behind the, the interior of the offensive line and, and continue to go through a, a progression, uh, sometimes that can neutralize that outside rush a little bit, and it's incumbent upon those inside guys to shrink Gotta get pushed. It. Yeah, yeah. Sh- shrink it. So. Uh, that'll be something to watch for sure, no doubt about it. The Crimp- uh, Talking Tide podcast at podbean.com, iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, and TuneIn. Travis, I think Nick's – this is usually the time of year, and maybe it's a little later, maybe it's more in November, but around this time, and, I, and I'm not going to be surprised if we hear this out of Nick Saban this week or next, the quote that I guess pretty much every year he eventually gets around to it, but the freshmen aren't really freshmen anymore, quote from Nick Saban. And, of course, what he's talking about is the young guys that have had to have been thrown into the thrown to the wolves in September. You know, he's saying, look, by the time we get to the end of the season, those guys have been through enough battles. They've made enough mistakes, learned from those mistakes. They're not playing like freshmen anymore. Well, LSU, with LSU coming up in two weeks, it's almost like he's saying these guys can't afford to be freshmen anymore. And and like you said, the, the picture's going to get taken. You know, it's it's usually coaches will go to that that old saying, and they're speaking more in terms of a freshman, like one freshman. You know, kind of the situation that Saban and Pete Golding and that defensive staff are dealing with, as we know, are freshmen, as in plural. So you're you're dependent upon, you know, a couple of three defensive linemen to make that sort of imaginary graduation to sophomore status that we talk about this time of year with first year players. You're talking about a couple of inside linebackers 
that, that you're hoping continue to take that step towards second year status more so than true freshman status. And, you know, again, even in the secondary, as, as much as uh, LSU can do now in terms of formations and personnel, you're going to have a true freshman on the field in the back, on the back end a lot in that game too, uh, you know, with, with Jordan Battle. So uh, it, it's a little bit different for this Alabama defense in that, you know, it's volume, man. It's it's quantity too, and um, if it were just one or two guys, and you know, even if you had a true freshman inside linebacker that you were playing alongside Dylan Moses, you know, you could feel a little bit better about that. You're playing two of them. You're playing two of them together, and so you know, they don't really have anybody to lean on except each other. Going to be uh, a fire test for those two, for sure, and several other guys. But, yeah, the the way LSU – and, look, LSU will attack the middle of the field as well as anybody mm-hmm. they play. They're getting a lot out of the running back. Edwards Allaire has is, is, is been really, really strong this season, so he could create some problems for those guys out of the backfield as well. Uh, so, yeah, LSU's – and LSU's got – Chase, to- if you could keep Edwards Allaire – under 150 scrimmage yards. If I told Pete Golding that today, you're going to keep him under 150. Would Pete Golden take that in the game? Because I, I think that may be the biggest concern I have for Alabama uh, as much as anything. Even up there with Burrow and Chase and 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 uh, Jefferson and yeah. Marshall coming back. If you can't stop the back to start with, if you can't slow him down, you know, everything else doesn't really matter much. Would, would, would you take that right now if you're Alabama? You, you can hold – I tell you today, you're yeah. going to hold Edward Solari to under – he's going to get more than 100 uh, scrimmage yards. That's receiving and rushing chase. But he's not going to exceed 150. Would you take that tonight? Worst, it's a lot. Yeah, yeah. Let, let's say we're talking about 100 on the ground and 50 receiving just to break it up. Yeah. I, I, if you're golding, I, I'd say no. I, I'd say we yeah, got to do gotta better, do better. Than that. Yeah, I, yeah. I, I would say. I now, agree. Now, now, if you want to knock it down to 100 total yards and we're talking about 75 and 25, yeah, I think he probably takes that. Yeah. Yeah. And it's just so unusual to talk about LSU running backs in those terms against Alabama defenses because what has Alabama done as well as anybody in the Southeastern Conference in this eight-game win streak? They have taken – LSU backs and backs better than the one they're going to see in two Saturdays, totally out of games. Yep. Yeah, they have. They've they've done it with some grown up personnel, uh, and they yeah. got and they got some of those guys on that defense now, but maybe not quite as grown up as they've been in the past. The Leonard for the Alabama defenses that ate up Leonard Fournette, some grown men on that bunch. Yeah, and and LSU not doing you the favor of phone boothing it as much. You know, I. I you're right. The personnel, obviously, on some of those Alabama defenses. I mean, you, you watched a lot of it on Sunday in the National Football League. But LSU contributed to its own woes in that regard because less and even the last couple of years, they, they would, they would, uh, they would abide with you know that by playing phone booth football. You know, they would they they and Alabama, like you know Ohio State and some of these other elite teams, Clemson. You want to play in a phone booth on offense, they they welcome that. And LSU certainly isn't doing that this year. 
Yeah, that was a big part of, of Les Miles' demise at LSU, no doubt about it. All right, the Talking Tide podcast at podbean.com, iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, and TuneIn. Chase Goodbread and Travis Ryer with you. We're going to thank a couple of sponsors of the show, starting with North River Dental Associates and Dr. Jack Smalley. His professional staff of dental hygienists will get you taken care of in any kind of dental needs you might have for you or your family. They can do porcelain veneers, cosmetic dentistry, pediatric dentistry, laser dentistry. They've got teeth whitening services, endodontics, dentures, you name it. They can do it all over there at North River Dental Associates. They're going to get you in and out of there on a routine cleaning, typically in under an hour. Appointments can be made at NorthRiverDentist.com or give them a call at 752-3506 to make an appointment. Dr. Jack, they're also great and handling those insurance people as well. So sometimes uh, the insurance situation can get dicey working through doctor's offices at North River Dental. They'll follow up with them. They do a great job of communicating with them, and they make that end of things as easy as possible. Remember, North River Dental Associates right off of McFarland Boulevard at 1100 Fairfax Park next to West Alabama Pediatrics. We also want to thank Session Cocktails and Spirits, Tuscaloosa's newest cocktail bar, a smoke-free environment featuring pre-prohibition and modern classic cocktails made by a team of the most talented bartenders in all of Tuscaloosa. Stiff drinks, fancy glassware, funky atmosphere at Session Cocktails and Spirits. You'll find it at 2221 University Boulevard in downtown Tuscaloosa. Now, they've got an excellent wine selection over there. They've got domestic and craft beers for you over there, but they really know what they're doing with those cocktails. A deep menu of signature cocktails at session also got an outstanding happy hour menu as well check it out session cocktails and spirits you know on the last talking tide podcast i told you i gave you a plan for game day well i I followed suit although i kind of broke it up into friday and saturday over homecoming weekend here in tuscaloosa on friday i did lunch at heat pizza bar in downtown tuscaloosa caught up with my good friend frank fleming Uh, The major domo there at Heat Pizza Bar, always great. I went really basic. I mean, just a good old-fashioned cheese pizza sometimes is all you really need. And they can do that for you at Heat as well as any place you're going to find. Had had one of those uh, side garden salads uh, with the strawberry vinaigrette dressing, a little goat cheese on there for you. Yeah, it was great. And Frank, by the way, he's gotten into the podcasting business. Frank and his pal Odie now – little plug for their podcast. If you're into the wagering, maybe a little bit. And even if you're not, it's a fun podcast to listen to because uh, even if you're retired and you've been through some bad beats, you can commiserate with the stories you're going to hear from Frank and his pal Odie there on the Get Down Tide, uh, Title Town podcast. But uh, Heat's so good. Just always outstanding. Uh, we'll probably be doing another show from there in the very near future. But Heat Pizza Bar, downtown Tuscaloosa at Government Plaza. And then on Saturday... Saturday, I went to breakfast once again, second straight game day uh, that I broke bread, broke breakfast there at Brick and Spoon, downtown Tuscaloosa at Timerson Square. I had the breakfast tacos this time, little scrambled eggs with chorizo, uh, some mango salsa, very nice, crispy, light shell there for you get two nice size breakfast tacos with your order there. Uh, Come with a little order of uh, French fries, a little fresh orange juice. It was a game day Saturday, so the uh, crew had the uh, Bloody Marys and the uh, uh, the other other uh, 
beverages of choice going for you. Those Bloody Marys always work any day of the week, as we know there at Brick and Spoon, downtown Tuscaloosa at Timerson Square. Check them both out. Talking Tide podcast at podbean.com. Moving on the Twitter feed, talking underscore Tide. Chase Goodbread and Travis Ryer with you for a few more minutes. Uh, looking around the SEC, and we're going to go ahead and look at the AP poll a little bit this week too, Travis, because as we know, uh, that, that CFP committee right around this time, around Halloween, they like to get things cranked up. Uh, so uh, we'll touch on that a little bit as well. Around the SEC, LSU 23, Auburn 20. That's really the, the primary game of note a game that Auburn had knotted at 10 in the first half and and really they they played down for down with LSU for two two and a half quarters uh and and, and you know I thought LSU kind of took command a little bit with with the playmaking offensively in the second half uh ends up being an extremely tight final score uh but I thought LSU outplayed them in the second half they did I thought I thought LSU pretty much outplayed Auburn throughout. I mean, the fumbled punt by Stingley in the second quarter, I, I think that that gave uh, Auburn the ability to extend that game well into the second half and really throughout the second half. Um, and, and that's what it was going to take because Auburn offensively continues to be largely a mess with uh, true freshman quarterback Bo Nix back there. Auburn hit a couple of big runs, um, you know, one right before the end of the half there, the end of the first half, kind of get a gift on a throwaway draw play. Uh, gives Auburn an opportunity to maybe steal three points there uh, at the end of the second quarter. But Nix throws a pick to Stingley down there near the goal line. Maybe Gus could have been a little bit more selective and given his kicker, Anders Carlson, a chance uh, for the three points. But he was aggressive on the road. So, you know, maybe not uh, – Maybe not the worst decision there, but uh, it was kind of an old school game, which is exactly what Auburn wanted. Auburn wanted more of a physical line of scrimmage game, kind of, uh, you know, try to take the the playmaking of LSU's out of it as much as possible. And while Burrow did throw for a little more than 300 yards, I think it took him 40, 40 plus attempts to get there. So his yards per attempt weren't close to what they had been prior to sat uh, prior to Saturday. So you give uh, you give Auburn a lot of credit. You know, made it a fourth-quarter game, um, but the, the Auburn offense just just couldn't do enough. They put it this way. The Auburn defense, I, I thought, deserved better in the game, Chase. Fair to say that Bo Nix would be better suited for, let's say, playing quarterback for Dan Mullen than Gus Malzahn. And the reason I say that is because I think if you put Bo Nix in Dan Mullen's offense and, and he was responsible for more direct runs and, and just, you know, getting some tough yards, I think he'd be just fine in that regard. And he'll he'll occasionally maybe, um, you know, hurt you otherwise on the ground. But Malzahn's offense, I think, demands somebody a little more dynamic uh, the, the Knicks uh, at the quarterback position as a runner, at least when it's running smooth. When that when Auburn when Auburn's offense is right, I, I think they've got somebody more like a Nick Marshall in there than a than a Bo Nix. Yeah, you know, here's the thing. I mean, when you watch Mullins' offense and you watch Gus's offense, they're both power spreads. I mean, at their foundational levels. They're both trying to accomplish the same thing. I, I, I know your point, though, and it's a good one in that, you know, Nick Marshall, Cam Newton, you know, when you had those kind of runners at the quarterback position, uh, it, it definitely changes the dynamic of that offense. But for me, 
I, I go back to the Auburn offensive line. That that's where you know we had heard about all the returning starters and the improvement that was going to take place. Uh, they still can't get movement, and they you know for the most part, other than like I said, pop a few draws like they did Saturday. Um, and, and that's not an LSU front seven either. That's, you know, elite, I would say against the run. You saw what Florida was able to do, uh, you know, with some success behind its offensive line. Uh, I, I just, I, I don't, I, I start at the offensive line with Gus. And when I look at his best teams, you're right. I mean, the quarterbacks can run it, but you know, they also had probably 1200 yard rushers, uh, in those offenses at the running back position. Doesn't have that in that aspect of the offense right now. Um, you know, and, and, and when Gus hasn't had elite offensive lines, but still has had success, he's had a guy like carry on Johnson that was outstanding a couple of years ago. So, you know, Bo Nix is kind of the easy target right now. Um, and, and I, and, and undoubtedly he's got a long ways to go. Uh, but the other aspects of, of that offense too, that, that typically are strong when Gus's teams are strong. Uh, they're they're just not very strong right now. Doesn't have as much help as some of the quarterbacks. Yeah, they, there's him. not there's not a Braden. Where's the Braden Smith on that offensive line? I, I mean, I know the right. left tackle Prince is, you know, a, a, an NFL prospect and all those things, but you know, go go look at some of those really good Auburn teams and how those offensive lines were able to get it done. You know, this group. You know, I mean, you got an Ivy League tackle on the other side, right? I mean, so no offense, but. If you're developing legitimate offensive linemen, you, you shouldn't have Ivy League transfers starting for you at Auburn. The AP poll out this Sunday, LSU knocks Alabama from the top spot. Travis, they'd been ranked number two, now ranked number one after that aforementioned win over Auburn. Alabama sitting at number two, Ohio State three, Clemson four, Penn State five. Now that's your undefeated group. Uh, among the Power Fives who are at the top of the poll. Actually, two more Power Five undefeateds further down in the rankings. One Baylor at 7-0, and the other Minnesota at 8-0. And, and so I guess if things uh, continue to go well for those teams at some point, they'll be, they'll be trying to uh, wave at that CFP committee and say, hey, hey guys, what about us? But uh, Travis, as the CFP committee begins their work, uh, here in the in the near term, what are your thoughts about the way things sit at the top? Oh, I'd be surprised if LSU is at number one uh, in that first ranking, which I believe comes out. What is it next Tuesday? A so. uh, week from Tuesday. Week from Tuesday. I think it's November fifth. I mean, with LSU's body of work, although that Texas win is got a less and less shine, it seems like on a weekly basis, especially after the horns. Uh, lost over the weekend to, to TCU. Um, you know, I, I would be surprised if it, if it's not LSU, uh, that's at the top of the list. I think where things get interesting is Ohio state, Alabama, and that those two, three spots, uh, Clemson in that mix, you know, how does that sort of shake out? Yeah, it's going to be, uh, it's going to be fun to see how things break out of the gate and, and, you know, down the stretch, there are some big games we saw, uh, Ohio State dispatched Wisconsin with ease on Saturday. Uh, also saw Oklahoma go down to Kansas State, Travis. That yep. Oklahoma defense uh, didn't show up, frankly. Kansas State just ran all over them. We got to get us some of that air raid, Pappy. <laughs> we got to get us some of that air raid. How we going to run air raid when we got I-formation personnel? 
big day for Jalen Hurts once again, but it was not enough. Uh, the Oklahoma Sooners go down. They're now seven. Love me some Chris Kleiman. Chris Kleiman, head coach at Kansas State, man. Waltz is right into that air raid league with his two tight ends and his power run plays and his inverted wishbone and just <laughs> runs it right up Boomer Sooners' tailpipe. It was uh, it, it was something, definitely definitely something that uh, certainly not anticipated. Although K State's had a solid year, uh, they 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 yeah. they've been a good football team for sure. But Oklahoma goes down and and uh, these last three weeks, Chase. What about it? I mean, Georgia loses to unranked South Carolina. Um, Wisconsin loses to an awful Illinois team. Yeah. And then this week we see Oklahoma go down to an unranked Kansas State team. Although I agree. Of those three upsets, K-State, the best team of the three teams that did the upsetting. Uh, I think uh, I think we're going to figure that out if we haven't already. That's going to do it for this edition of the Talking Tide podcast. For Travis Ryer of BamaOnline.com and Southern Fried Sports Radio, I'm Chase Goodbread of NFL.com and Crimson Cover Television. Be sure to join us. Uh, I guess we got another idle week, Travis, and so we'll take another yes. idle week ourselves here on the podcast and be back a week from Wednesday to preview the Alabama-LSU game. Join us then. You've been listening to Talking Tide.